You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reek, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And Jackson, happy new year. It's it's a brand new year, brand new uh, start for the Bulldogs. And what a way to kind of kick it off with uh, the latest news of an upset Fresno State basketball takes out number 21, New Mexico State. And Jackson, you were there, and so let us know just just how special that was for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Happy new year, Lucio. Um, yeah, they got to host number 21, New Mexico, the Lobos. And, uh, it was a game that, I mean, the Lobos were undefeated and they were the only undefeated team left in the country. And yet the five and eight Bulldogs were only four point underdogs. So you kind of felt like while this team, normally you wouldn't think they would be competitive in a top 25 game that, Everything just looked like it was going to be a good matchup. And at home, in the St. Martin Center, there was a good crowd. And, um, you know, the, the Bulldogs, the, they got it done, but they played much better than I anticipated to get it done. That New Mexico team played better than my expectations, and Fresno State matched it. And we didn't see a lot of the classic things that have plagued this Bulldog team the offensive lapses and. You know, usually they play close, they play low-scoring games, and then they fall short at a lot of times like this. But, I mean, they matched New Mexico blow for blow, and it was very impressive to see. It was a fun night for the fans, almost 5,000 strong, and uh, hard to believe the very first win over an AP Top 25 team. It was the second-ranked win in the Save Art Center. Um, they did beat a, a San Diego State team back in 2015 that was a uh, number 25 in the coaches poll, but they were not ranked in the AP poll. So the first time ever since the Fishmart Center opened that an AP poll team went down to the hands of the dogs. So it was a pretty special night and a nice moment for a team that frankly hasn't had a whole lot to, to be proud of up to this point. And, and so it was, hopefully this is the kind of thing that shifts the season in a new direction. I was about to say, it's been it's been pretty much a struggle for Fresno State basketball. And to, to come away with a victory like that, it's got to do a lot for the, the Bulldogs' confidence and and being able to kind of uh, kind of get things going in another direction. Hopefully, uh, you know, players start to settle in and, and things start to, to go differently for the Bulldogs this season. Do you see that happening, Jackson? You know, you hope so. I, I think at least that they it may not just be this one win that changes things, but you look at some of the things that are going on on this team where Jamal Baker is really starting to turn a corner. He's finally playing like the guy we thought he was going to be when he got here last year, unfortunately injured for uh, all but five games. So we didn't really get to see him. And this year up to this point, he has really not been very effective. He's been coming off that injury and not at a hundred percent. So he's finally starting to click. We saw Eduardo Andre really kind of have a breakout moment in this game, had a great game. And he's a guy I really, really liked his skill set watching the team in the preseason. But, you know, looked a little lost early in the year on the court and, you know, had some uh, more simpler errors, I think, that kind of yanked him off the court from Coach Hutt. And now he's really settled in, really made a difference in this game on both sides of the court. And, 
even he looked a little bit surprised at times. He had this big old smile. He had a couple of scores in a row and some blocks, had a bunch of steals. And so it was nice to see him get it done the way he did. Isaiah Moore continues to do his thing. So it feels like there's legitimately some pieces starting to, to come together there. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it seems like the, the, the Bulldogs may start to kind of start going in a better direction here and we'll we'll, t- we'll circle back on that a little bit later uh in the podcast uh because there's other things happening right now jackson and it's it's kind of making my head spin a little bit this whole this whole thing uh well first off fresno state ends uh, ends the season and the bowl season as probably the top california team in the bowl season right now right jackson yeah the only team to win a bowl game um, you know, the USC, even though they lost, they'll be ranked ahead of the Bulldogs, and maybe UCLA stays in there in the, the top twenty-five ahead of Fresno State. But um, the only team to win a bowl game in California, the only—I um, mean, the Bulldogs have the second best record in the state, and so I mean, it's a pretty impressive showing, especially considering they were just one and four to, to finish the way they did, um, and a pretty good gap between those top three and, and the rest of the state, which are two future Big Ten teams and Fresno State, pretty good company to be around. And uh, it's been pretty much a trend. I mean, we've I put out that graphic that had the Bulldogs second in California. and feels like we've got to do that quite a few times in recent years since Tedford came back, either first or second in the state. And this year was no different. Yeah, it's it seems like things have... Uh have finally uh, brought a little spotlight onto the Bulldogs uh, this past season after doing what they did um, in, first time in college football history, starting off at 1-4 and four and uh, ending off the season at 10-4 and four, uh, just really changes things. Uh, the only team to do that in college football history um, and I think the only way to, to do it better, Jackson, I think would be if they started off 0-4. Right or or zero and five and then turn around and won the whole thing, so um, that that would be the only way to kind of beat that re- that record. So that that record should stand for quite some time, I think. Right, Jackson? Yeah, and it was nice because Tulane stole a little bit of Fresno State thunder this year. The Bulldogs, previously led by Coach Tedford not that long ago, had the record from going from one and eleven in one season to ten and four the next year. Uh, Tulane this year uh, absolutely <laughs> surprised everyone going from two and twelve to twelve and two and or, uh, you know it was an even bigger turnaround than the Bulldogs had and they won the Cotton Bowl against USC so while one record went down for Fresno State they managed to set a new one this year the <laughs> uh, one that's going to be tough to beat for sure. Absolutely. So the Bulldogs uh, have that one under their belt. But as things start to to move on into the next season now, um, the the transfer transfer portal monster starts to rear its ugly head. And Fresno State is looks like uh, they're in jeopardy of losing probably one of their top defenders, um, Evan Williams. And, And how what does that mean for the Bulldogs, Jackson? Yeah, what a what a strange twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah, I was at the Save Mart Center, and that was probably the, the longest. I probably well, I wouldn't say that. I've covered some double headers there, but the latest definitely. I was working there till about one in the morning, writing my story about the upset. Wanted to really do it justice, 
and uh, got home, went to bed, and uh, I was awakened by my phone ringing with uh, a tip that Kirby Moore was no longer going to be at Fresno State as the coordinator. And so I, I wake up and I scramble to get that story done. We'll be, talk more about that in a minute. And right about the time I, I get that all situated, all of a sudden Evan Williams hits the portal. I get that scoop coming my way too. So it was a, and there may be more developments coming here, but those were definitely the two big ones that are out so far. And um, yeah, crazy uh, start to, to the Wednesday morning there. And Williams is a tough one because uh, I think probably a lot of Fresno State fans were not going to be surprised if he wasn't back just because he was looking at the NFL draft. And if he's got a realistic chance to get drafted, then I think most are going to be okay with him going that route. But uh, And then it was either that or he was going to come back for a fifth season. It seemed to be the only two options. And now all of a sudden door number three opens up. He's in the transfer portal. And um, we've already reported some stuff on the premium board about where he's going, it seems to be not too big of a secret. He's, he's going to land at a school that is going to have a sizable amount of NIL money to offer him. And while that maybe makes the move understandable from a Fresno State perspective, it, it definitely makes it a little more sour, or a lot more sour, knowing that that's kind of the landscape right now, that um, a player like him uh, can be kind of lured away with, the money on the table, which again, if you were in that position, you'd probably do the same thing. But uh, looking at over the hundred year history of college football and Fresno State football, this is uh, kind of crossing the line, it feels like, from even some stuff that's gone on in the past with questionable recruiting stuff and now transferring and everything. So um, it, it's a tough spot to be in. I will add that um, there are. I think some extra unusual circumstances going on right now because of the COVID year. Uh, if you look at Evan Williams, you know, in most years he would simply be out of eligibility right now and wouldn't even have this option. Uh, he did put in his four years at Fresno State and is going to graduate. Uh, but if you look at all the other players that have transferred, almost all of them, um, Leonard Payne, uh, Tyrone Sampson, Bula Schmidt, Andres Fox, uh, all those guys in normal circumstances would not have eligibility. So uh, there's a little bit of strange things going on here with this extra year. Um, even a guy like Lula Schmidt, who started for four seasons, we'll talk about him some more here shortly, but um, you know, normally he'd be done. Now he's got an opportunity to do something different with his extra year. So hopefully some of this settles down. Uh, some of this stuff is probably also here to stay, but it's all really fresh from a Fresno State perspective. Um, I've covered other teams and I've seen other teams that have been going through stuff like this now for year two or three. Um, but now it's here. Uh, the Bulldogs are going to have to, to battle this a little bit. And they're also going to have the opportunity to, to snatch players in the portal. Um, much like Evan Williams was a star for Fresno State, uh, Nico Remigio was a star for Cal. The Bulldogs got him and it was awfully fun for the Red Wave. Uh, the year before, Deron Bland was a star for Sacramento State. He comes to the Bulldogs and turns into an NFL star in a matter of two years. So it's going to go both ways a little bit, but um, there's definitely a, a situation with the power and the money that's going to be tough to, to deal with here uh, as long as the Bulldogs are in the Mountain West. 
Yeah, and this is this is becoming the 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 trend lately, and it's something that I I touched upon a few weeks ago with you that uh, before it's all said and done, this transfer portal is at some point gonna have to have some sort of a reform done to it uh, because I think they've kind of lost the whole purpose of the transfer portal. Um, and it's kind of morphed into this other monster that's happening right now. Do you agree, Jackson? Yeah. The, the big issue is that you know, it's difficult because they just implemented this new transfer window to try to kind of reform it to where it wouldn't be so sporadic and, you know, it wouldn't be as big of a deal during the season. It would kind of corral everything to the off season and, make it you would think a cleaner situation you know everything kind of waits till after the year then you've got this 45 day window you can get all the chaos done there and then focus back on your team and then there's another 15 day window after spring practice to go through it a second time after you evaluate your roster but what has happened is that you've got you know i don't want to say anything bad about evan williams by any means but we've we're told and i reported on our premium board within a couple of hours after learning he was in the portal that he had a, a new home. And it's just kind of hard to believe to a, an extent that he entered the portal and got the whole thing done within an hour or two. <laughs> you know, there's absolutely, you would think that those conversations were had before he entered the portal, which would be by the portal rules and the window rules and a legal move for those types of discussions to go on. But that's what's happening across the country. And it's, I don't think there's a realistic way to stop it or, or handle it. And before the windows, you know, it didn't really matter. You could just enter the portal anytime and uh, have those discussions regardless of what time of year it was and everything. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely not exclusive to Fresno State. I'll tell you, covering some of the other schools in California, too, uh, when David Shaw stepped down at Stanford, I saw him right there at the podium talk about how um, – the other power five schools he claimed were recruiting his players for months as the Cardinal season was going in the tank and the other power five schools knew that some either players were going to want to get out or there was going to be a change or something. And none of those players were in the portal, but they were recruiting them. And <laughs> they were smelling blood in the water. Yeah, exactly. And you look at Cal um, as well. They had a, a linebacker, who, you know, we're talking something similar about with Williams, but Williams is, everything's unofficial right now. He hasn't committed anywhere. Uh, Cal had a linebacker who hit the portal and committed to UCLA about two hours later publicly. It's like, yeah, that, there's you know, there's just no way that it could happen that fast. That was all done. It had to have been done, you know, uh, I'll say allegedly, but behind the t- scenes, under the table, everything, you know, kind of handshake agreement you would have to think there's just no way these kinds of things happen that fast so um you know there's a lot of that going on Uh, i'm seeing power five schools as well more so the lower power five schools but a lot of them are getting poached so you know even if fresno state makes the move to a uh, a power five conference which is still a discussion here um there's still going to be bigger power five schools that are going to be those sharks so um, it's a tough spot, and uh, yeah, until something is done from the the top level to reform it a little bit, uh, it's going to be tough to to fix this. Um, I agree; it's definitely not what it was intended, and I, I know the argument is made for players to follow coaches and stuff, but 
I mean, even that is a bit frustrating right now. Uh, the Cal's another example there. Uh, they switched offensive coordinators and, and pretty much all their offensive stars, even some of the backups have, have left. And, and now it feels like their cupboard is empty uh, just simply by firing a, an offensive coordinator that wasn't doing very well before and hiring one that seems to be an upgrade. Uh, I mean, so we'll see what happens. I don't think any Fresno State's movement is due to the coordinators. And I think the Bulldogs are one of the most stable programs you're going to find in the country. But if someone's leaving a lot of money in front of you and you've got one year to play, you don't know if you might be an NFL guy or not. It's really hard to turn down that opportunity. Now I get, uh, I get that the, the transfer portal has these, uh, these kind of gray, gray area rules where if a coach is fired or a coach leaves, then the players have the opportunity to, to kind of go with the coach. Um, however, how, how do you determine um, where do you draw the line? It, it theoret- theoretically, it should be if the head coach were to leave. Not say, well, the special teams coach left. Well, that gives me an opportunity to go ahead and leave, even though I only play offense. I don't know, Jackson. <laughs> There's got to be some sort of rules put in place to kind of prevent this from happening because anybody, if one coach leaves, that opens the door for everybody. Yeah, and a good example is right now at Fresno State's O-line situation where uh, Saga Tuatelli has been poached away by Arizona State, the offensive line coach. And you think back, uh, you know, these now players have now lost three O-line coaches considering that Brian Grubb left for Washington, of course, and Roman Sopolu left for Hawaii. And so you've got a bunch of O-linemen that now have – three other schools they could consider uh, where they have former coaches and the Bulldogs are yet to name their new O-line coach. We've got a report on the premium board about who that's going to be, but um, it's a a deal where if they're not comfortable, they've got quite a few different options to go to. And um, Bula Schmidt is is a very interesting one because, uh, you know, more understandably, he did lose his father uh, in the last year. And it sounds like he may want to be closer to home and, just very coincidentally, he's from Hawaii where Sapolu was coaching, and he also relocated to Seattle where Grubb is. So um, it would certainly make a lot of sense if he landed at one of those two schools. But, um, you know, I, I see what you're saying with the, um, the coaches, and I kind of feel like the, the rules in place now give enough leeway to where players can kind of do what they want, but they're not supposed to just be able to move every year. Right now you're supposed to get one transfer and then one graduate transfer without having to sit out. And traditionally that would mean, you know, you've got to, you can only move once in your first four years or you're also going to have to sit out and, and no one's going to do that anymore. Um, a lot of players are finding a way to graduate in three years, which is making it a little bit tricky and opening the door a little bit faster. But, um, I mean, a lot of assistant coaches aren't going to be at the same place for four years. They might not even be at the same two places in four years. So I, I think it, it creates enough of a gamble where you can't just follow your coach every off season, but it could give you an opportunity to do it once, maybe twice at the end of your career if you're a guy that's hanging around for a fifth year. So um, we'll see. Uh, the, uh, there seems to be too many cases of guys that have, moved a whole lot, even on our own Fresno State basketball team, Isaiah Moore, 
he, Bulldogs were on Sports Center, and he was described as the well-traveled Isaiah Moore because he's at a sports college right now. Uh, so, you know, he did go to junior college, but I'm scratching my head how some of these guys are, are making all these moves without having to sit out. It, um, th- that's where things get tricky. Uh, if you've got and graduate transfers as well, I'm seeing guys that made it to a school as a graduate transfer, and now they're using their super senior year to graduate transfer again. You know, some of these things don't quite feel right, and, and maybe it'll, again, it'll cool down here after the, the COVID waiver players age out, but if you get one transfer as an undergrad and one as a graduate transfer and really tighten it after that, I think it you know, it's a lot crazier than it was before, but it should prevent some of these bizarre player circumstances we're seeing. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to need some some type of reform to be done, uh, clear, um, more strict r- rules and guidelines be enforced. Um, even the whole uh, NIL money uh, situation, um, that kind of needs to uh, be more monitored, I guess, I, I guess, uh, tightly regulated on how they can use that, how they can use that to entice players. That's something that's um, I know uh, there's a lot of people out there who who like the fact that some of these players are making money. However, to be using it as a recruiting tool, that kind of needs to be that, that kind of needs to be a little bit more regulated. What's your thoughts on that one, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, that, that was the intention was for players to be able to go out and profit off of their own being, <laughs> you know, not to be. Uh, recruited through a school by having the money on hand. There's these NIL collectives that kind of are a de facto wing of the school that can offer players uh, some monetary benefits. And then you've got, of course, just some, you know, uh, whether it's businessmen or women or companies or people that are connected boosters that can offer these NIL deals that are nothing more than um, just, basically money that to be recruited. Uh, there was a, uh, a player from Texas A&M that was even quoted on 24-7 sports this week saying, uh, well, he wasn't so happy the quote was used the way it was, but it, it is what it is. Uh, he said he was getting going to be paid six figures, and what was his job responsibility? It was to score touchdowns. So <laughs> maybe you do a commercial or two, but you know he's basically getting paid to, to show up there and, and make money and and play football. So that's not what this was ever intended to be. Um, but if you are Fresno state as well, uh, they do have a, an NIL collective. Um, it's called Bulldog bread at bulldogbread.com. I don't mean to necessarily endorse that or anything, but I'm just get, trying to get the word out there because there are a lot of fans that don't know and are kind of clamoring about why the Bulldogs don't have one. Uh, they do. Again, some of these things are third party and aren't exactly university organized but it is there to try to have a some sort of pool for uh, student athletes to benefit from and, and to get players here um it's uh it's definitely going to be tough for a, a school like fresno state to go up against the bigger programs like in oregon i don't think there's any way the bulldogs are going to be able to ever match what a, a phil knight can provide. Like, like nike and uh, <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that in in oregon yeah good luck that's not good. yeah so, yeah exactly but if you are fresno state you do want to have the leg up on your peers which they mostly seem to do you know if, 
Fresno State, Boise State, San Diego State, they always seem to be kind of the most uh, well-resourced and ahead of the curve as far as Mountain West goes. And as long as you keep doing that, you give yourself a chance to be one of the best teams in the Mountain West and, you know, beat some of the, the lower in Power 5 schools or whatnot, uh, you know, business as usual. But, um, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. And if the Bulldogs do get into a Power 5 conference, it's definitely going to change those things quite a bit. Um, just before, while we're still on the topic, I, I wanted to run through a quick update on, on some of the portal guys for Fresno State that, that have gone on. Um, we talked about Willis Schmidt entering after being the starting center for the last two years. Uh, Tyrone Sampson has also entered the portal. Uh, he only started three games last year, but he played in all but one. They were rotating that guard position all year long where him and Jacob Isaiah and uh, Osmar Velez were all playing every game for the most part. So uh, the Bulldogs have some work to do on the interior O-line. Uh, Alec Trujillo entered the portal, a quarterback who uh, was a walk-on and, and didn't play at all this past year, but was an interesting story. He was a three-star recruit once upon a time and went to San Jose State and then junior college <laughs> and here. And he's still got three years of eligibility. So uh, he's had an injury. One of those weird circumstances like we were talking about um, you know, hopefully he lands at a spot where he gets to play, but it was a cool story to see him play for the hometown team for a while. Um, Leonard Payne, who entered the portal, I think since our last podcast, um, he got a whole ton of offers. Um, he's been until Evan Williams, definitely the, the most prized bulldog in the portal so far, a couple of power five opportunities. And he's committed to Colorado to play for coach prime. Um, so it'll be interesting to see his story and how that works out there. Um, Josh Kelly has yet to commit anywhere. Uh, he has offers from Kansas and Washington State, I believe. So looks like he is going to land at a Power 5 school. It looked questionable there for a while. He visited San Diego State before signing day, which uh, I think we talked about last time wouldn't have been a very attractive spot for a receiver to go <laughs> And, you know, you would figure it would certainly have been a downgrade, but now it looks like he's going to come out of this okay uh, from his end. Uh, Kale Sanders committed to SMU, a guy that got bumped out of the starting lineup, um, but definitely did a lot of good things for the dogs. And, uh, again, the, the Mustangs are a program that does have some NIL uh, opportunities and benefits built in. I think all their student-athletes, or at least the football team, are getting like thirty grand, which you know, it's not going to um, pull a player away from a situation, but it's definitely going to be a nice recruiting tool for them. So uh, that's where Fresno State stands for the most part. Uh, Mari Pate, not yet committed anywhere else. He has a lot of offers from FCS schools. Andres Fox has a couple of FCS offers. But um, the big thing here for Fresno State is going to be the portal going forward, and there's going to be a lot of action this month. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, as Fresno State's going to be losing players, every time they lose one, it opens up a spot where they can fill it. Um, and right now, uh, I'm pretty sure the Bulldogs are going to be out there scouring the the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, they were already a beneficiary of picking up at least one player, and that was the, uh, the incoming quarterback, right, Jackson? So that benefits the Bulldogs at, at that point, at least. It does, and so now we're going to see them be quite a bit more aggressive here. Uh, the Bulldogs signed what 
looked like it at the time was close to capacity for the scholarship they had available. They signed uh, 16, if you include the one transfer in December for National Signing Day. Uh, but now you've got a whole bunch of scholarships that have opened up through the portal. So, And you're at a point in the recruiting process now where it doesn't make much sense to get many more high schoolers. There may be a couple, um, but you're basically focused on transfers and junior college players. Um, and to some degree, you're almost looking at you know one-to-one type of recruiting where you almost free agency style. You lost Evan Williams. Now I'm sure you're going to want to go in the portal and try to get a safety to replace that. And, and there's going to be a lot of those examples. The O-line as well. And even though right now is officially a recruiting dead period, uh, there is a special window for uh, transfers to officially visit this week all the way through Saturday. So the Bulldogs I'm hearing are going to be uh, utilizing that. Uh, we'll have more on the premium board about uh, who's being recruited and, and what's going on there. But uh, the Bulldogs only have one transfer signed so far, but I would anticipate you're going to see that number grow significantly this month. There's going to be a lot of portal ads, and a lot of those guys are going to be able to sign and get in here for spring ball. Uh, definitely wide receiver is a key point of interest. Um, safety, I assume they're going to try to get one to replace Williams. Defensive end is a big one, but David Perales leaving. And so they've got quite a few offers and players on the, the table right now. And they could uh, ramp up again as, as early as this week, but visits going on basically every weekend in January after that. And it's going to be definitely uh, a big part of the recruiting cycle now that we're going to have to get used to January being a big transfer month. Well, that just gives us a lot more to talk about, right, Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> <Sure does. laughs> um, but in addition to that, what one thing that's going to affect uh, some of the recruiting process is the fact that um, Fresno State is losing a coach. Uh, after we reported that it looked like things were going to be okay for the Bulldogs, uh, lo and behold, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, offensive coordinator uh, Kirby Moore has uh, elected to uh, to take another position after being with the Bulldogs for about six years. Uh, so, you know, what does that mean for the Bulldogs with his departure now? Yeah, Kirby was the last remaining coach from that initial 2017 staff. So we've got a full turnover now uh, outside of Coach Tedford, of course. Um, we've been monitoring several openings over this cycle that we thought Kirby might be a candidate for. Uh, specifically at Cal, at Washington State, at Boise State. Um, but ironically, after being passed up for those three, he's going to end up probably at the place that's going to pay him the most at all of those, uh, Missouri being an SEC job. Um, for him specifically, it's an interesting spot because Missouri has not even had an offensive coordinator the last three seasons. Their head coach calls out the plays. And another weird twist here is that their quarterbacks coach, who was kind of the top coach for the, the offensive side of the ball, uh, Bush Hamden, uh, he was hired by Boise State to be their offensive coordinator instead of Kirby. So um, that opening that the Broncos made by hiring Missouri's coach ends up being Kirby's new job, essentially, as the quarterbacks coach and NOC at Missouri. I think it's a really <clears throat> excuse me. It's a really good landing spot for him because they have a head coach that is so well versed on offense. Um, 
excuse me, uh, some of the, actually all three of those other schools I mentioned are led by defensive head coaches that are going to be relying on a, a veteran offensive coach to lead the, the offensive side. Of the this is a spot where Moore is going to have some, some more mentorship and not going to have so much on his shoulders there, which, you know, he only had one season as OC at Fresno State, so still a, a growing coordinator. Uh, went through some growing pains this year early in the season, but Fresno State seemed to figure things out late in the year, but more so for the Bulldogs side of the ball, it means they're in the hunt for a new OC. We've got a hot board already on the, the VIP board at parkboard.com talking about who the top candidates are and uh, what might happen, uh, some of the dominoes there. So uh, wheels are already in motion. I, I think Fresno State was well anticipating that this could happen. and They've got their plans in order already. Yeah, this is going to be uh, interesting to see just how the the Bulldogs are able to kind of recover from this one. Um, I mean, there you, you have reported on who is in uh, who is the lead candidate to replace Kirby Moore um, over at the premium boards. So if you haven't done so, head over to the premium board if you want to be the, on the inside of finding out uh, just how the the, the replacement process of the offensive coordinator is going um there's uh, a list of of candidates right jackson but you do know of some some front runners at the moment um so that could be where people can go check it out over at the premium board right yeah and um we've got about five candidates that really stick out um you know, one probably clear front runner, but some other very interesting names that the Bulldogs are going to have to really consider before pulling the trigger on what we think is the most likely scenario. Um, but definitely some options out there. I think Fresno State's going to going to come out in good shape. Um, you know, they've got to uh, make a hire as well as a, a O line, and you know, if they promote from within, they're going to have to hire another assistant coach. So they're still a lot of stuff going on with, with the offensive side of the ball and, and filling positions. And um, it, it looks pretty promising. I, I think that um, for the most part, they're going to come out of this pretty well. Um, we, we have to see kind of what happens with the O line because it's such a critical spot and it's a, a group that has kind of underperformed for quite a while now. But I think as far as the offensive coordinator and, and the receivers coach and whatever happens there, um, uh, I think the Bulldogs are going to be in a, a pretty good shape there. Yeah. So if you haven't done so already, head over to the barkboard.com premium page and check out who the leading candidates are to replace Kirby Moore um, and uh, to get the latest news on the progression of replacing the offensive coordinator uh, because this is something the Bulldogs are going to want to fill quickly so that they can hit the ground running uh, for the recruiting por portion of the season. And speaking of recruiting, Jackson, that leads us right into our next topic. Let's go and check out what the latest is uh, recruiting-wise for Fresno State football. Yeah, right now this week is going to be that weird transfer window. Um, I'm hearing there's going to be multiple transfers come onto campus this week. Uh, so that's going to be a, a big deal for the Bulldogs to try to fill some of these gaps. And really, you know, earlier the better on, on these things. Um, the Bulldogs like to get their commitments early and not have to worry about it close to signing day. Uh, they had a couple of recruits that um, they were hoping to get on the December signing day that have not signed anywhere. They they waited a little bit later, and that puts Fresno State in a tough spot. So they'll be definitely evaluating other opportunities, other recruits out there in the portal. 
Uh, Freddie Roberson's the big one. He's going to decide on the 13th. Uh, transfer from Eastern Washington, a wide receiver. Uh, I mean, he's got a top schools list of Washington State, BYU, Fresno State, and Mississippi State. Um, but he's also added some more offers since then. Even uh, schools like Penn State have come after him. And uh, so there's going to be a, a lot of competition. But he did play for Bulldog receivers coach Pat McCann. So that's kind of their ace there for recruiting him. Um, and we're definitely going to see the Bulldogs board uh, reset here a little bit because there's only been a few transfers offered that are still available. Um, so this week we're seeing, even right now, some of those offers are going out. They've been hitting defensive ends uh, pretty good the last 24 hours, and we're definitely going to see them focus there on the portal, uh, as well as some junior college players uh, that have not signed yet. I think we'll probably see another old lineman. So. Uh, definitely trying to address the top issues um, that still remain for this next year's roster and you know, unfortunately finding out maybe some new holes that they need to fill uh, that are, are going to be more abrupt. Yeah, they weren't planning on some of these holes that have just uh, magically <laughs> appeared uh, in front of them because they, they seemed that they were set and had their their starters and everything and then all of a sudden now a few of them are leaving and now Fresno State has to scramble and try and fill those those spots if they're not able to fill them with the current roster. And uh, I, I, Jackson, just off the top of your head, what is going to be the most glaring need that Fresno State's going to need at this point? Oh well, Put receiver the is the big one. <laughs> yeah, the I'll spot. go. I'll go wide receiver, and they have addressed it a little bit so far. They had a junior college receiver, Tim Greer who is definitely going to help fill that gap. I think they need to add at least one, if not two more guys. And it felt like they were close to signing a couple guys in December. It didn't work out. It was about the only thing that didn't work out uh, for the Bulldogs on signing day. They hit on everything else. So uh, that's a big one. And um, as far as a, a full position unit goes, uh, definitely receiver. But there's some more individual holes. Uh, you're looking at the O-line now. There's a spot or two to fill. Um, on the defensive end is one that's a priority right now. I know they'd like to get a cornerback with some experience to, to help replace Kale Sanders and, and get a fourth guy in there that has experience. And now safety is going to be a big one um, because it's not just Evan Williams. you got LJ Early, who has graduated, and Elijah Gates, who has graduated. There's still a lot of capable players in there. Uh, Stephen Comstock played quite a bit this year and, and did well. Krishan Gordon, too, also had some games where he played big roles. Um, Alzillian Hamilton has kind of been at nickel and, and kind of bouncing around the place. I would consider him an option, but Kosi Agina is definitely in that safety room and has just kind of been waiting his turn. Uh, Jaden Davis is there, um, and Julian Neal, who were kind of right on the edge of playing time a couple of times this year. And they signed a really good freshman class with Brandon Ramirez and Justin Johnson. But, you know, in this portal era, if you can find someone that started a season or two and not have to rely on some of those guys that haven't proven themselves to quite to that extent, then I think you've got to go that route. And the Bulldogs might be able to get away with just getting one, you know, you get one reliable safety and kind of figure things out at the other spot. That might probably be the way to go there. Yeah, that's going to be tough for the the Bulldogs to try and um, and fill some of those spots, and uh, they're going to have to pretty much pick their poison as to which which position is going to be their their main 
uh, focus. Uh, I mean, granted, they're going to focus on all of them, but there's got to be at least one area where they're going to really hit hard. And and from the sounds of it, it sounds like you think it it should be the wide receiver group. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of um, promising players on the Bulldogs roster, but um, the thing is with this ball, I've seen it at receiver at other schools too. I mean, just San Jose State recently when they won the conference championship in 2020, they had 2,000 yard receivers. They both moved on and they didn't replace them in the portal and they struggled really, really bad the next year, even with some players they thought were going to fill those spots. And then this past year, they did hit the portal, added a big time receiver and it turned them, not that specifically, but they got a new quarterback and a new receiver and they went from being a losing team to one that went to a bowl game. So, and that was the biggest difference was those two positions. So um, if you're Fresno State and you've got so many players leaving at receiver, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you, you've got Magdalena coming back. You've got Eric Brooks coming back. You've got a lot of young guys. But you know, if you can get two or three receivers that have done it, that are proven, that you know are, are not young players just figuring things out on the fly, then in this era of the transfer portal you've got to go out and find those guys and and that's exactly what they're doing right now but they have one i think they're going to end up with two or three and we're just not quite there yet to to see who those are going to be yeah and that uh i mean look at last year they picked up uh, nico ramijo last year and he turned out to be a game changer at uh at fresno state so Picking up a, a, a that kind of quality on the transfer portal can happen, um, but can lightning strike twice, Jackson? That's the question. Uh, Nico Romijo <laughs> did come in and change the dynamic of this offense and made it better. Um, took a little bit of the spotlight off of uh, Jalen Cropper, who allowed him to quietly amass his 1,000 yards on the season um, because it just seemed like, it, you know, Cropper was doing what he was doing, but there wasn't all that much focus on him, right, Jackson? It's kind of how I felt this season. Yeah, I know a lot of have felt that way, and I think the tone was set <clears throat> earlier in the year where um, you know Cropper had his bigger games at the end of the season, the second half of the season after Henry came back, and you know, after a few games where he wasn't as utilized, it kind of created a narrative pretty quickly, especially right off the bat when Remigio's hurtling over a bunch of uh, <laughs> FCS players in the first game of the season. Uh, yeah, definitely changed the, the outlook of that group right away. Um, the, Cropper certainly had his moment, the game winner against UNLV, and a couple of big games again in the second half of the year. But yeah, you, you saw how much things changed just with one receiver in a group that already had a lot of talented receivers. You know, this year, uh, the cover's not bare per se, but there's a lot of spots up for grabs. And you could see two or three new guys fill in those spots. Um, and it's tough to find someone as good as Ramihio on the given year. I, I think Nico could have probably gone to some pretty prominent programs and chose Fresno State because of Tedford and, and Jake Hayner. And it really worked out for him. You know, Now you've got to kind of sell your program off of an unproven quarterback, but uh, you've got a lot of playing time up for grabs. And so... Uh, you figure one way or another, these are going to be productive players. You know, Carrick Wheatfall was kind of the the Nico Remigio of 2019 and uh, wasn't quite that uh, much of an impact, but he did have end up having a, a solid Bulldog career and, and got close and was briefly uh, still hanging around as far as the NFL goes. So 
there's going to be some of those players out there, whether it's JC or, or the portal, um, like probably not to the extent of a Remigio, but are going to be probably starters in this offense, at least one, if not two, and uh, should make a big impact. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, keep an eye on that, folks, as the transfer portal starts to progress. Jackson is all over it, and we'll be reporting it uh, on thebarkboard.com. So, again, uh, you know, our bread and butter is pushing the website. So if you're not a premium subscription, please head over there. Get your subscription. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's still fairly cheap. Uh, um, I don't know, Jackson, are there any type of... uh, uh, you know, sales going on still, or is uh, have those all gone away? Yeah, so we're back to our, our default sales now, <laughs> or our discounts for Darn. new subscribers. You missed it. You still got some opportunities. It's going to be thirty percent off a year, which which is still pretty uh, comfortable to what we had before. Um, and now, what you can do since we we've uh, dropped some of the perks that we had before, you can now join once again for just a dollar on your first month. And I'll tell you. Um, right now, especially we saw this last year <laughs> where there was a lot of rumors going on, a lot of chaos, a lot of questions, <laughs> what the heck was going on. And we are very, uh, you know, I don't want to toot our own horn, but we, we've had reliable reports on barkboard.com on the premium side. Uh, we break news, we confirm things, we shoot down rumors and, um, you know, you're, you're going to see a lot of, of crap on Twitter. <laughs> you're going to see stuff that let, let's I, I just mean, say we're the only ones that had it right. <laughs> right. I mean, there, there was all over the place last year, Jalen Cropper in the portal that, that never happened. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, there was a large portion of president of state fans that believe he was in the portal and you will probably find some that think he did enter the portal and came back. And, and none of that happened. He never entered the portal. And there was about 10, 15, 20 storylines, crazy things going on. And some of them were real and we were able to confirm them. Uh, but a lot of them were not. And we were able to shoot those down and uh, we we're going to do that for our premium members. And we'll take Q and A's and questions. You can ask us directly, whatever you, you need to know or, or want to find out. So, um, what I'm getting at here is that for this is one of those crazy times right now where uh, there's a lot of rumors and questions going on, and for just a dollar, uh, you can get in on the premium board and get all that scoop and see if it's something you want to stick around for long term, or if not, you know you're just out a dollar and you're you're free to cancel. We hope that you uh, enjoy the experience and appreciate it and especially one of our biggest goals while we love to cover the season and recruiting and cover everything you know when it's the biggest story in town with fresno state football we also love to serve the red wave when it's march and april and may and june and july <laughs> frankly there's no football going on i mean there's a, a couple of, a month or two of spring but otherwise you know that's kind of the, the long drought for football fans so uh, we're doing a lot of interesting stuff and covering recruiting and uh, interviewing current former players and doing a lot of unique stuff to keep you entertained through there. So um, give it a shot, get, get, get the info right this time of the year. And uh, hopefully it's something you enjoy long-term and you'll get that Paramount plus for free. If you stick around for longer than a month, um, you'll get your, our loyalty perk with that. And you can watch a whole lot of TV shows and, and movies and whatnot during the off season. 
Uh, absolutely. I, that's one of my favorite things is, uh, is Paramount Plus. I, I'm always on that thing. So if you haven't taken advantage, you, you know, now is the time. Uh, get in there uh, so that you can sort through all the chaos, as Jackson says, uh, that is is about to ensue. Uh, for the blogs, not only with recruiting, but you know, you still have those rumors of conference realignment being thrown around all the time. And um, Jackson also has the pulse on what is happening there. So if you want to know more about that stuff, a lot of that stuff is only being um, reported on the premium boards. So make sure you head over there and, and check it out. Now, uh, before we start to kind of wrap things up, we've got to mention, uh, you know, a little other news in Fresno State. Uh, we're going to switch our gears a little bit to baseball right now, Jackson. And, of course, we've got the recent news of Mike Batesel, the the longtime um, head coach of the uh, Fresno State baseball team, announced his retirement um, and uh, he will be leaving Fresno State. And so what do you know more about this, Jackson? Uh, interesting timing here. I mean, the baseball season last year ended what, six, seven months ago now, and we're just a couple months away from the 2023 season, a month away, a month and a half or so. So a um, bit of a shock there as far as the timing. Uh, Ryan Overland is going to take over as the interim head coach. Um, Batesville, too, reportedly had just signed an extension last year. So um, something that had been kind of murmured behind the scenes a little bit as of late, but so not terribly surprising, but definitely uh, odd circumstances. Um, but the, the big thing now that it's done is to recognize Batesville's accomplishments and what he did for the program over the last two decades. And for obviously winning a, a national championship is something that's going to make him uh, a legend at Fresno state for a long time. Um, it was something that anyone in Fresno that lived through that is, is never going to forget the, the wonder dogs <laughs> that season. That was awesome. And they really had a stretch of about six or seven years in a row that were really, really exciting. They didn't have anything quite as special as that year, but uh, they had a lot of good teams. Um, of course, Aaron judge coming through the program is something that is huge and looks like it'll pay dividends for many years to come with what he's doing in the majors, um, you know, it's frankly, it, it's been a pretty extended period of time now here where the Bulldogs have struggled. They, they had one trip to the tournament in the last handful of years. And other than that, it's been not a whole lot to, to get excited about. So uh, it's a good time to honor Batesville for what he did and kind of look for what's next for the program and see if maybe they can get it going again with some fresh blood uh, over and might be a good, uh, good way to kind of transition since he's been with the program now for quite some time. Uh, you can definitely transition from what they've been doing the last couple of years and to also do new things that he would want to implement too. So, um, pumps a little bit more of excitement into this baseball season, see what can happen with uh, a new head coach, just the, you know, as an interim head coach, but eventually we're going to see the fourth, baseball head coach in a span of like 75 years so uh definitely with the history of the baseball program um it's going to be a, a big hire and hopefully someone who also stays for a long time absolutely and and i'm kind of uh i'm i'm 
I'm I'm kind of curious to see what baseball is going to be able to do this season. So I'll, you'll probably catch me out at some of the baseball games this upcoming season. Um, but I, like you, Jackson, remember uh, the the Wonder Dogs um, and from what they were able to accomplish uh, on the national championship uh, year. Um, some say that they should make a movie out of it. Jackson. <laughs> so <laughs> there has been some of that being tossed around as whether or not they should make that a, a, a big time Hollywood movie. Um, but um, I haven't seen anything materialize on that as of yet. So we'll just keep our hopes up and maybe someday we'll be able to see it up on the big screen um, and, and, uh, and have some sort of a story being, being told on that one. Now, before uh, before we switch gears into our last topic, we're going to go back, touch a little bit more on basketball, Jackson. What else do you have on Fresno State basketball? Well, yeah, so the Bulldogs got the big upset. They uh, took care of business, which, you know, going back, uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from my recap here. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Jackson. Okay, so it just boggles my mind. Um so the last time the Bulldogs beat a ranked AP team was 2002. Jerry Charkanian was the head coach. So that tells you how long it's been. It happened in Stellan Arena. So again, how long it's been. And it's not like the basketball team has just been a wasteland since then. Uh, they did have a stretch where they really had to rebuild. But you look at the period since then, they've had eight different teams win 20 games. They've been to the NCAA tournament, been to the NIT twice. They've won a conference championship and a conference championship our tournament championship. Uh, they won a postseason, the basketball classic, and they finished second in the CBI. They've had seven Bulldogs go to the NBA. <laughs> yeah, none of those teams beat a ranked opponent, and this current Fresno State team that was five and eight pulled it off. Um, so, what happens now? Um, is this just going to be one special moment in a rough year, or can they turn the corner? We <laughs> talked at the beginning about how we think they have some pieces to where they'll be at least competitive in the Mountain West. And it's a very, very competitive conference this year in the meaning that there's not one team that's just dominating and there's really no bad teams. Uh, Fresno State and Wyoming have the worst records overall. And the Bulldogs beat New Mexico and Wyoming only lost to the Lobos by one. Um, even San Jose State, who has notoriously been bad, is like eleven and five and two and one. Uh, they're having their best season in, in decades. So uh, everyone is competitive this year, so it's going to be tough. But um, up next, they go to Colorado State. That's a team that's in a bit of a slump too. Uh, so there's a chance for the Bulldogs to build on this momentum. Then they go to San Jose State. Uh, that's a game that I'm planning on getting to, as long as the weather cooperates. It's been pretty tough in the Bay Area lately with the rain and the wind. Um, so hopefully the red wave gets to show up to that one. And then it's not going to be until the 14th where they have another home game where they play air force. So these are a, a string of games where the Bulldogs really do have a chance to build some momentum. Um, but, but you also got to point out that there's a lot of questions about Justin Hudson's future. You know, this is year five and up until this last win, Things haven't looked so hot this year. <laughs> and, you know, there wasn't a lot of hope that it was going to turn around or that something big was going to happen the next season um, where, where, you know, his contract is getting close to the end. So you factor all that in, and yet 
he's got the biggest win in Taylor history after <laughs> after Tuesday. So I mean, what what the heck happens now? He's got um, a feather in his cap now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, it, there's a lot on the line here late in the season, and we'll, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I have a hard time seeing this team end up being a top three or top four team in the conference, but they can definitely, I think, get enough to be competitive on a regular basis and cross your fingers for Vegas to see if they can pull it off. But uh, we do know with the non-conference showing, they're not going to get any at-large opportunities. Um, it's all about how they show up in the conference and, and in the, the conference tournament. And uh, the, the best we can say right now is that they did come off of a big win and there's a lot of optimism now after that where there wasn't before. Yeah. So that's going to be, it's going to be tough to see just uh, how the Bulldogs are going to be able to kind of, uh, you know, move forward after this huge win. Um, Like you mentioned, is it something that's going to be a stepping, uh, a stepping stone in the right direction, or is it just going to be more of the same uh, where the Bulldogs are going to struggle this season? So uh, that is something that we'll, we'll have to definitely keep an eye on. Um, But not, not too much hope out there, Jackson. <laughs> not too much hope that they're going to be able to kind of uh, save the season um, and get things going in the right direction. There's just a lot of factors working against the Bulldogs at the moment. And so it is what it is at this point. So we'll, we'll maybe, maybe they'll go out and prove me wrong. But right now I am not very optimistic that they're going to be able to make a good season out of this one. Um, but before we wrap things up, we've got to touch upon the last topic, the hottest topic happening out there right now in professional sports, and that is the benching of Derek Carr at the Las Vegas Raiders. And this one is is huge in the fact that uh, when they did bench Derek Carr, he did ask to uh, leave the team uh, so that he would not be a distraction. And for me, Jackson, that all tells me that the the writing is on the wall that Derek may not be there next season. What do you, what do you know? Certainly seems to be the case um, that he had a, an injury policy where if he did get hurt in the last two games that he would be due a whole lot of money compared to the Raiders being able to trade him off or, or doing something else with his contract. So uh, definitely just feels like a business move to sit him out the last two games rather than well, Jared Stidham, to his credit, played awfully well in his first start in Derek's place. But um, right now, the plan seems to be that uh, they'll get through the season, uh, they'll find a trade destination for Derek, and he'll get a fresh start somewhere else. Seems to be enough of a market there for him to, to be a priority for someone out there that is in need of a quarterback. I've seen the, um, the Colts seem to be the consensus favorite, but teams like the Jets and the Titans even, and the, a few others that are teams that are very competitive right now but are missing a quarterback. That could be the difference. It, it sounds like it could be end up being a, a good thing for Derek to kind of, you know, not to say anything bad. I know we got a lot of Raiders fans in the Valley. <laughs> also Bulldog fans, but you know if, if you've been following Derek's career, of course, there's been quite a bit of dysfunction in, in the past few seasons, and he can get into a good place with a, uh, a head coach he's comfortable with and maybe some more pieces on the O-line. Uh, maybe he can get, do something with the, these last few years in his career. I know David Carr went out on TV and, and said 
he's very motivated and excited to, to get a, a new start somewhere else and, and really wants to prove himself once again. And yeah, I think that's kind of the, the Derek that we think of here in Fresno, the way he played with such passion and such aggressiveness in the Bulldogs offense. Uh, it's been a little more conservative, I feel like, the last few years for him and the pros. Um, so it'll be nice to see him maybe let loose a little bit. Definitely stinks that uh, it probably won't be with Devontae. looks like Adams is going to stick around with the Raiders at this point, but uh, definitely he's, he's not too happy. We see him with his Bulldog gear on at, at every press conference. <laughs> uh, I know he's done that a lot, but especially after uh, after Derek's departure, he's made a point to wear his Fresno State hoodie uh, pretty much every time I've seen him on camera. So a little bit of a, a point is being made there. Yeah, there's a little bit of support happening for Derek Carr because he has been a big proponent of Fresno State football. And so um, I believe that's uh, that's his way of showing support for Derek Carr. And, uh, and uh, you know, Devontae is definitely not happy with his current situation. And and let's, I mean, let's face it, Derek Carr has, has been really given a short end of the stick, uh, so to speak, coaching-wise. Uh, I, I lost track of how many coaches he's gone through, Jackson. <laughs> just uh, it's just it's it, uh, yeah it's it's been uh, incredible to even put up the numbers that he has been able to put up with a dysfunctional coaching staff uh i mean am i wrong uh, i mean it, had it been anybody else the raiders could have been a hell of a lot worse it sure could have i mean he helped lead them through the most adversity filled season of all last year to the playoffs for crying out loud. And, um, it was such an exciting year in 2016, I believe it was, when he was having a you know, borderline MVP performance. And the Raiders were going into the playoffs as one of the best teams in the, the league. And then, of course, he had the massive injury that, that sidelined him that gives you a little bit of the what ifs, what, what might have happened, especially that season. But you feel like it maybe carried over a little bit since then uh, to what compared to what he was doing that year. But, uh, you know, he leaves the Raiders with pretty much all the records as far as career numbers go. Uh, I think he, he started the longest out of anyone. So that should be a given. But at the end of the day, he does hold a lot of the records for a famed NFL franchise. And um, that's a pretty cool deal. And, and hopefully, the Raiders fans, I know there's a lot of them that love Derek. There's a lot of them that have been very frustrated with Derek the past couple of seasons, this year especially. And uh, hopefully he's remembered very fondly for what he did do there and some of the times he guided them through and the numbers he put up. A whole lot of exciting wins. Everyone likes to bring up this record and game-winning drive scenarios. and He, he had a whole lot of them successfully for the Raiders. So you know, hopefully he is remembered well there and uh, he goes to his next pro, uh, next franchise and, and really does something to really put the exclamation point on his career and, and uh, go out in the right way. Absolutely. And uh, we'll just have to keep track and see uh, just what happens to Derek Carr in the future. Uh, with that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts as we wrap up the uh, podcast here? Oh yeah, again, it's been a, a hectic week or so now when you consider the baseball news dropped about a week ago, and now we've got the coordinator leaving and Williams in the portal. I mean, a whole lot's going on, and you don't want to miss any of it. And the basketball upset, I mean, gosh, three different sports in the first <laughs> week of January. <laughs> uh, you know, 
the new cycle continues to more than ever be 24-7, 365, and we're 24-7 sports for a reason at markboard.com. So, yeah, follow us. And, uh, again, if you're not already a subscriber, you want the uh, solid reports and the inside scoop and the breaking news, you can try it for just a dollar on your first month and check it out. And uh, this is really the time to do it. We've got a lot going on now, and signing day is within the next month. It's on February 1st, I believe, this year. So you're going to get a lot of action here in that first month if uh, you take advantage of that. Yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, there's going to be a lot going on as the season progresses. I mean, I know we're we're just days into the new year, uh, but things are going to start to get a little crazy here in the next few weeks. Uh, a lot of things happening, a lot of rumors flying around. So you need to keep uh, up to date with all the latest news and updates. And, and here on the podcast and the barkboard.com is going to be your best source of, of information as we start to... Uh, uh, you know, sift through all of the, the chaos that's happening. With that being said, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. And if you haven't done so already, head over to the uh, Facebook and give it a like. Uh, just look for um, just look for Barkboard.com. Uh, we've got a huge community growing there. And as always, head over to the Barkboard.com where we have both free and premium subscriptions. Um, and and take advantage of all of that information. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>